This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Friday the 18th of June 2021. And yesterday, Norman, there was some big news out of the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation, which is that independent group of experts that tell us who should and shouldn't get different vaccines and whatnot. They revise its recommendations for the AstraZeneca vaccine. Now they're saying that people under the age of 60 shouldn't get AstraZeneca. The previous age cutoff had been 50. So now people who are aged 50 to 59 are eligible for Pfizer and people who are aged 60 and over are still recommended to get AstraZeneca. What is the background to this revised recommendation? I think what's going on is are two things, and we've spoken a little bit about this before. Let's start with COVID disease. As you get older, this, the chances of serious COVID disease go up, and they go up quite a lot. And the mortality can get anything up to 10% over the age of 70 or 80. So that's, you know, that's the protection of the vaccine, and all vaccines protect well against severe disease. But with this vaccine-induced clotting, then as you get younger, the, incre- the, the incidence increases. But not only the incidence of the clotting increases, the incidence of severe clotting increases. And what they've noticed is that that includes the 50 to 59-year-old age group. And I think that the emotional impact on clinicians of the 52-year-old woman in Sydney who died suddenly of a catastrophic stroke and really started to question, people started to question whether or not we should change the rules here, even though this is still incredibly rare. And what happened yesterday at the press conference is that Paul Kelly, the chief medical officer, announced a further 12 cases of uh, vaccine-induced clotting syndrome, or what they call TTS, thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome. Of those 12 cases, seven where in people aged 50 to 59. And what the Commonwealth acknowledged was this changed the incidence rate in the 50 to 59-year-old age group from under 2 per 100,000 to, I think, 2.5, 2.7, but certainly well into the twos. Still rare, but it changed the equation. So it's still happening in people over 60? It's still happening, but it's it's very rare to get the, uh, the the severe end of the syndrome. There's two kind of forms of the syndrome. It's important for people to know this because turning up early to your doctor or to the emergency department is really important here. Between four and 30 days after your Astra vaccine, headache, blurred vision, maybe even slurred speech, abdominal pain. That's kind of the tier one, more serious end of the disease. But a pain in your calf and maybe shortness of breath is the other end where people don't get into such serious strife and or tend not to. Can I ask a slightly provocative question? And you know that I'm very pro-vaccine and I definitely still see the AstraZeneca vaccine as being a very safe and effective vaccine. But is there still a place for AstraZeneca in Australia's vaccine rollout? Yes, there is at the moment um, because... As the cluster in Sydney is testament to, we are still vulnerable to outbreaks. That's a Delta outbreak. It could spread. And you just want to be protected. And the risk is low, and it's particularly low for the over 60s. And and people should get it. But again, if you're really feeling anxious, you could wait until Pfizer comes along. But you are going to be at the end of a queue uh, over 60 at the moment until supplies really increase. So to get yourself protected and to provide some degree of protection for the community, you should, you, know, you should seriously consider the Astra shot. I did, and that's what I had. I think it's really important for people to remember that when you make the choice to 
not get a vaccine, you're making a choice that has inherent risks, just as making a choice to act has inherent risks. Yeah, and you've just got to weigh that up for yourself. So we have received literally hundreds of questions within just hours of that announcement, and we're going to try to get to as many as we can in a moment. But Norman, before we do, what does the injection of about 2.1 million people between the ages of 50 and 59, now sort of being in the queue for Pfizer, what does that do for our Pfizer rollout? Well, it means that you're going to need another 4 million doses of Pfizer overall. Um, It means that presumably if you continue to prioritise older people, that 30 to 40-year-olds are going to have to wait a bit till 50 to 60-year-olds, until 50 to 60-year-olds effectively get immunised. And um, with Pfizer, and the minister was at length to say that there are more Pfizer doses coming to the country over the next few weeks and through the rest of this year. So there is supply available, but it's not immediately available to get it into people's arms as quickly as some people would like, but it will be there. So like I said, we have had so, so many questions about this. A lot of them from people who are in their 50s, they've had their first dose of AstraZeneca and they want to know whether they should get their second dose of AstraZeneca or whether they should get Pfizer for their second dose. There's no question that the second dose is much safer than the first dose. There have been very few reports of vaccine-induced clotting syndrome with the second dose. Most of the experience is in the UK. There there is a small risk, but it's a tiny fraction of the risk for the first dose. So if you've had no problems with the first dose, you can be pretty confident to go on to the second dose. In terms of mixing doses, the government or Otagi are still not confident in saying that that's okay. It's likely to be okay. And that story could change over the next few weeks as the British come out with their data on mixing doses. But that's that's almost certainly going to be okay. But that will put extra pressure on the Pfizer supply in the near term. There's a question, Wayne sent in a question asking basically whether he can have Pfizer for the second dose. But in his question, he says AstraZeneca is only 60-odd percent effective and Pfizer is 93% effective. Those are outdated figures, aren't they? Um, yeah, so when the, the data for Pfizer, for Astra, for 60, 60%, is when they looked at the variants and what was, particularly the Delta variant. So what was the, what was the second dose effectiveness for the Delta variant? And second dose effectiveness for Astra was about 60%. That's true against all symptomatic disease. It's much, much higher for severe disease. And the Pfizer effectiveness was in, was in the 80%, not 90, 93%. It was in the 80%. So yes, there was a step up for the Pfizer, no question about that, but it wasn't up at the 93. So 95, 100% is for severe disease, and they both seem to do that job quite well. Greg's asking, what makes a 60-year-old less vulnerable than a 50-year-old? Simply statistics. I mean, it's simply the, almost certainly, the reduced activity of the immune system as you get a bit older, not fully understood, but that's probably going to be the, the answer. And the other thing here is it's a sliding scale. It's, it's, a, it's what the statisticians call a continuous variable, is that you've, there are lots of things in medicine which are continuous variables. Line up 100 people and measure their blood pressure. There'll be a steady gradation in blood pressure from low to high. And there's no one spot where you say, you know, this is suddenly high blood pressure. You've got to define it in terms of risks versus benefits in terms of whether you're going to give somebody a blood pressure drug. Same for ADHD or behavioural problems. And it's the same for this. It's a a continuous variable of risk that declines as you get older for the clotting syndrome. And 60 is significantly lower than 50. 70 is significantly lower than 60. But 60 is where uh, several countries have said that risk is acceptable. And as you say, there's a 
as a scale that goes in the opposite direction when it comes to your risk of severe disease from COVID. That's absolutely right. It's, it's, a, it's, it, it's a devilish chase. It's the wisdom of Solomon you know, where you actually drop that sword and make the cut. So with the disruptions then, a further disruption to our vaccine rollout, the longer that we're not fully covered by vaccine as a population, the more vulnerable we are to outbreaks, as we've seen in Sydney at the moment and Melbourne over the past couple of weeks. What does this mean for our likelihood of having further restrictions towards the end of the year? Well, I think what we need to think about here is taking the Canadian view, which is getting first doses into as many people as possible and worrying a little bit later about the second dose. So rather than being obsessed with the second dose of Pfizer being three weeks, maybe you'd have tolerance for it being six or eight weeks. The British have been doing it at 12 weeks with Pfizer and really getting first doses into people. Even though we've said that second doses are really important, you can only get second doses into people who've had a first dose. So should we just have just go hell for leather on first doses and get it out there and just get every dose we've got out into people and then start pushing through the second doses and do what Canada's done, just get to very high levels of first doses very quickly. So if you've got more questions about the AstraZeneca vaccine or anything about vaccination, and I'm pretty sure you do, make sure you keep sending your questions into abc.net.au slash coronacast. But before we go, Norman, a quick update on the Sydney outbreak. It, this first infection that was identified uh, was a limousine driver and he has the Delta variant of the virus. Yeah. Well, in fact, the first one identified was a woman in a cafe who's likely to have caught it from him and you know, he's passed it on to somebody in his household. And that the statistics may well have changed by the time people listen to Coronacast. This is worrying. It's um, a Delta outbreak. It seems to be in unvaccinated people. And we're supposed to have fully immunised that protective layer. And here we've got a limo driver who's taking air crew and has caught it in the limo. And I think we're just getting a bit too relaxed. And and, and fair, to be fair, the, the, the Premier of New South Wales was saying that staffing changes, situation changes, and they've got to get a, there just should be a rigid rule. You don't get to do the driving unless you're immunised and know how to protect yourself. But anyway, it's at risk. It's a Delta variant. New South Wales has returned to normal until yesterday. That means that you could, each person with this virus could have spread it between six and eight other people. Um, that's what, that's the r not of this Delta virus in an uncontrolled environment. And an uncontrolled environment is exactly what New South Wales is. It's what Western Australia is. It's what Queensland is. It's what South Australia and Tasmania is. It's not what Victoria is. So this could happen anywhere. Even more impetus for us to keep chugging along with our vaccine rollout as quickly as possible. Yep, and wear masks um, on in, in indoor spaces that you can't control. Don't go into large gatherings at the moment. And in New South Wales, certainly don't go on public transport without a mask. So you're going to be socially distancing and wearing your mask this weekend in Sydney, Norman? Yeah, I made a start coming into the studio. I put on my mask in the Uber. And I noticed that when I did that, the Uber driver put on his mask. So you're leading by example. Look at you making a difference. I know. But he couldn't understand where I was going to. <laughs> Well, on that note, that's all we've got time for for Coronacast this week, but we'll catch you on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. See you later.